1: Welcome to another episode of Big Ten Spotlight. We are on. We are on the other side of the new year, and we are getting ready for Big Ten play to start up again. He is Deion Thomas, the all-time leading scorer in Illinois Fighting Illini history. I am Aaron York, and I am just a guy who's excited to get back to basketball after an amazing football day we had on New Year's Day. Now it's the day after, and it's time to get back to Big Ten play. There was a little bit of action over the holiday break, and almost everyone is coming off a win. Everyone except Michigan. Michigan lost to McNeese State on Friday, and now they're on a two-game losing streak because of the double overtime thriller. They lost against Florida and Charlotte, and this is a team we had high expectations for coming in, even with the departure of Hunter Dickinson. And they have played a really tough schedule, but it looks like Dion they're going to be fighting an uphill battle. If they want to get through big 10 play and into this NCAA tournament field,
0: man, I, I'll tell you, well, first and foremost, double a happy 2024, my friend, Um, looking good to get back. Look, looking forward to getting back on and, and kicking the spotlight off again in our discussions and man, but you, you're 100% right. Um, Coming into the season, didn't really know what to expect with Michigan. I, I know you and I talked about this. We went back and forth and then they turned around and they lost some games. As you mentioned, had some, you know, good, you know, good, a decent schedule, you know, where they lost uh, against some good teams. McNeese State may be better than what I think they are. I just don't ever think a Big Ten team should lose to whatever conference they're in. I, I, I'm sorry. The Southland but, Conference, yes. Okay. There's just games you don't lose. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. You're a Power Five conference team. You should not lose that. But if you go back, I mean, McNeese not to. And I'm and I'm joking. I'm serious, but not serious uh, when I say this. They're 11 and two right now. So that team is not a bad team. But when you go and you look at this Michigan team, man, they're one of the top, of the third scoring offense in the Big Ten, but you're last in defense. And there's not a big enough margin in between 83 points and 79 points that's going to get you on the top end of a lot of these games, especially when you're playing against tough teams. Um, They've had their ups and downs. I mean, Juwan Howard is a really good friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine since high school. But, you know, the truth is what the truth is. They are not playing well right now. And they're just – I shouldn't say they're not playing well. They're not playing good enough. I mean, you're talking about a team that plays like a roller coaster. Oh, my gosh. Their ebbs and flows and their ups and downs are monumental right now. And until you can get those guys playing on a more consistent basis, I mean, then you're, you're going to continue to lose games like you do against teams like McNeese State. And now you're starting your big-time run. I mean, you can go over. Really quickly in the Big Ten, if you're not playing up the snuff, and like I mentioned, they're the number three offense in the league. But then you turn around and you're last in defense. You know, that's what I remember when Tom Thibodeau was with the Bulls, and people used to always get mad at him. Oh, this and this and this. Tom Thibodeau said one thing, and I think this is one of the things you know Illinois has been living and dying on right now. Well, not much dying, but living on rebounding and defense. You do those two things, you got a really good chance of winning most games. And missing it right now defensively, I'm sorry, sucks.
1: Yeah. That is a bunt way of putting it. They have not been good enough on defense, and the stats show it and so has their play. They had a chance to beat Florida. I think it was in the first overtime again in that game against Florida where they had, they had the lead late and they give up a, an offensive rebound. They were on defense. They give up an offensive rebound and Florida hits a three to equalize and mm-hmm. Florida would go on to win in double overtime against McNeese State. Hey, McNeese State, they are pretty darn good for a Southland Conference team, 77th in Ken Palm. And Shahada Wells is one of the best players in the country Averaging 19 points per game with uh, 53% shooting. That's really hard to do when you're scoring at that volume. He had 30 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 5 steals against Michigan. But you're a Big Ten team. You're supposed to limit Shahada Wells. You're supposed to make life a little difficult for him. Instead, they go into Ann Arbor and win 87-76. to 76.
0: If I had to care, I'd pull my hair out. Yeah, you right. yeah. And I'm going to say why. I forgot that it, this game was actually played in Ann Arbor. I, I, yeah. Come on. You don't lose on your home court to McNeese State. And, I mean, this Michigan team, you know, talk about the defense, man. You cannot be next to last in defensive three-point percent. The Today's world, and you just brought this up. This is why I had to – had to. i I'm sorry to interrupt you, man. I'm, it's, but all I'm, I'm, it's all
1: good. It's all good, Deion. I
0: pull my hair out I went – well, I don't have any hair. Yeah. If I had hair – I would pull my hair out if Big Ten teams can't go whether you're on the road or at home and defend against teams like McNeese State. But, again, Michigan, we talked about their defense. They're next to last in three-point percentage defense as well. But their first made, I mean, in three-point uh, shooting in, in, in the Big Ten. So you're either feast or famine. And I know Juwan Howard. I've known him, again, since I was 17 years old, and he was 15 years old. No, this is not who he is. He is from the Fab Five, bro. Those guys rebounded. They shot the ball. They went up and down the court. They defended. They did all of these things. They rebounded. I mean, Michigan is in the middle of the pack and rebounded, even though they got some really good big bodies up there and some very athletic guards. You, You, you can't. That just cannot be a possibility. You know th- that those types of things happen. I mean, teams are the, the teams are coming in and out rebounding, Michigan. I yep. mean, this this shouldn't happen. I'm sorry. Go ahead, yep. Big Phil. No. You were making a point. You were making a point and <laughs> no. I, just, I just stepped all over you. No,
1: you're right. You're right. They for sure have to have to play better on defense. And here's the good news for Michigan. And they also have another home loss earlier to Long Beach State. So that's not good. Here's the good news for Michigan. They do have a road win against St. John's. Yeah, they did. They do have a a big 10 win against Iowa. They start as they restart big 10 play, they play Minnesota at home, they play Penn State in Philadelphia, they play Maryland on the road. Those are three games that they're going to be expected to win if they're going to get back in this NCAA tournament conversation. I think they are a mid tiered big 10 team, they have really good offense. That is built around Doug McDaniel and Olivier Kamwa. And if you haven't seen Doug McDaniel play yet, he is a human highlight reel. He can cut to the basket with his quickness. He can shoot the three probably from 25 to 30 feet away. He has almost a limited range. But like you said, that defense has been holding them back. If they improve in that area, they have a chance to roll off some wins here, especially in the early going. If they can... Win these next three games against teams at the bottom of the conference; they can get back in the into the conversation. But with their, the way they played inconsistently, odds are they drop one or they drop two, and uh, and we'll see. It's it's a very important stretch for them coming up.
0: Yeah, and you started off by saying that you know they're going to have a tough time making the NCAA tournament or, or really going. I agree with that 100. percent They need to figure out um, who they are. I mean, cause that's the first thing, first and foremost. Figure out who you are. You know who your main two dogs are. I mean, as you mentioned, you you just talked about Olivia and you just talked about McDaniel. Once they figure out those are the two guys that they they need to play to through, who's that next guy, and then everybody else has to buy into their roles. You know and then on the defensive end, and you know, I've mentioned this a million times, and the Michigan fans will probably be like, Dang, on, DI, shut up. You've talked about the defense time and time again. And I would agree with them. I don't want to sit here and talk to you double-A about Michigan's defense. I would much rather you talk talk to them about them winning. And for an alliine trust me, that's a hard thing to talk about. But that's what I would prefer is to be talking about Michigan winning and, and not having these issues. But you talked about you you also mentioned um the losses to long beach state they have bad losses right now you know and these next three games coming up although they are favored we all know that winning in the big 10 especially on the road is hard and i'll tell you from experience that trip to penn state sucks (laughs) (laughs) traveling oh my god traveling to penn state is god awful and terrible even in today's modern uh um Innovations of plane and aviation or flight, is still sucks to have to take that trip. That's, so yeah, that's, that's
1: why that's why I always drove up and down from New Jersey. But the, the than, one Michigan, maybe they do get a little bit of easier travel because that game is in Philadelphia. Penn State, we play one game per year. Last couple of years in the Palestra, so that is going to be in Philadelphia, so they can probably fly direct. But uh,
0: but well, no, I agree. But that's, the, you know, but you're still, you're, you're coming from the Midwest. You're going east. Yeah. You know, even though Michigan is on the eastern time zone anyway, so it shouldn't be much of a change as far as time and the feel, but it's a different feeling. You're not in your bed. You're you're in a hotel room. Yes, these young people should be get used to, you know, whatever the routine is on travel. I'm yeah. somebody that had has done that for a long, long time. And I'm going to tell the listeners, it's not easy. So that's why, you know, when you're going to play those road games, it's, it's really hard. So they're going to have to muscle up and get back to playing before they start running into, you know, the Illinois or or the Purdue's or whoever else is on their schedule. Because, you know, these, like you mentioned, these are three games they should win. They better Absolutely. win because their schedule is going to get tougher.
1: Absolutely. I'll, I will give my Penn State – Fans, this one thing: when we play in the Palestra, when Penn State plays in the Palestra, it is it is a much more intense crowd than the the sleepy old Bryce Jordan Center, where there's a lot of empty seats. Penn State is, has so many alumni in the Philly area; they come out to the Palestra, and they are going to make that a totally different environment than the Bryce it'll Jordan be a, Center. Be last a home year,
0: game. yeah, it'll be essentially a home game. You yeah,
1: know? last year, last year, Penn State uh, almost upset Purdue in that in that building. So it'll be it'll be a test for sure for Michigan. And let's move on to shine the spotlight on a team that we expect to have no trouble making the NCAA tournament. Purdue, back to number one after the hiccup against Northwestern. They have answered the call. They went on to crush Iowa. Then they beat Alabama in a thrilling game. And then in Indianapolis, they defeated Arizona. So they have answered the call. They have played this Ridiculous, ridiculously tough schedule. We can roll up, I'll roll off all their their resume wins right now. They have already defeated Xavier, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Marquette, and I said Alabama. They've also beaten yeah, Alabama and Arizona.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and, and this is a team right now, um, meaning talking about Purdue, the Boilermakers. Uh, you gotta take your hat off to Matt Painter and his staff, man. They have done an amazing job of getting these guys ready. When you look at them defensively, you know they're always in the correct position to help. And when you have a mountain of a man like Zach, Zach Eady protecting around the basket, he doesn't have to block a ton of shots. I know people will say, "Well, he doesn't have this many block shots." I don't care. It's it's hard as heck. And take if somebody that played in the post, that played the mid range game, and did all those other things to shoot over guys that are seven foot plus you know, and, and not to mention as big as he is. That team, had, they, they are right now, in my opinion, heads above, head, they are class by themselves. And that's not just in the Big Ten. I'm talking nationally. They are in a class by themselves. Now, are they so far ahead that they can't be caught? No, they're not. And I think there are teams that um, really pose and, and systems that pose issues for them or could pose issues for them. But the way their two guards are playing right now, three guards are playing right now, um, it's going to be hard to beat them if those guys keep clicking and the other guys continue to excel at their roles the way they have been doing.
1: Yeah. Here's the amazing thing about that win over Arizona. They had two players, both their starting backcourt players, scored more points than Zach Eady, Braden Smith, who's had – we know he started – at point guard last year but he's broken out this year into a triple double threat he scored 26 points and then fletcher lawyer got red hot from three point range scored 27 points and exactly you only need to score 22 points and he actually oh, had five assists yeah. <laughs> and yeah yeah only 22 points and he actually had five assists because he was passing out of double teams getting the ball to the three point shooters and they were playing a little inside out and that's how they were able to take down Arizona regain that number 1 ranking and if yeah if not for that loss at Northwestern we'd be having a serious conversation about hey can Purdue can Purdue go undefeated so uh yeah, yeah. i mean they'll probably lose one or two more games in big 10 play cuz like you like you said it is so tough there are so many tough road environments but yeah, this is a team that is a serious, serious national title contender. They are already battle hardened from their non-conference
0: schedule. You, you just you nailed one thing that has really made you know. You see the improvement in Zach Eady. This one improvement from Zach Eady, five assists, being better at passing out of double teams, is one of the things that really makes this team dangerous. What did people do to them last year? that, you know, where they would have their loss. They would double-team Zach Eady. He would turn over the ball or, you know, whether it was off his dribble or on the pass, he'd turn it over. People would turn that into easy baskets, and it hurt them. Then, of course, they had the younger guards. So now with his ability and his improvement in passing out of the post has made this team even more dangerous. But, you know, I went on to talk about the those, those – the other the fill-ins, the, the what they call a mortar when they put it in between the bricks, because right now, you know, they are a house. Mason Gillis, great. Caleb first, playing great. Uh, the the young kid, um, Trey Kaufman, Trey Kaufman, uh okay. Ren. T, yes, T- K R yeah. yes, L-. There you go. You know, all of these these guys are doing those little things, you know, getting in there making the, the, the steal here, defending, rebounding. And this is why they are so good. They got their three main scores, and, and then you have other guys that step in and do all of the dirty work. And then every once in a while, uh, most was the young man that transferred? Um, uh, Lance Jones. And then Lance Jones comes yeah. in and gives you 10, 15, you know, whatever. And now that you got four scores because those other guys are going to put the ball in the basket. Yes. This is what makes them so difficult. Uh, everybody understands their roles and they bought into their roles and they're doing the best that they can. That goes back to those young men. I want to give them the credit, but that also goes back to the coaching staff. When you have believe in, you know, I'm sure you've heard people say buy-in, but you know, in the day at NIL, it may actually be buy-in, but <laughs> yeah. You know, but the guys have to believe in what the coach is preaching. And and that's why I say believe in, because if you believe in something, you play a hell of a lot harder, even if somebody giving you money. And I think these guys believe in the direction of Matt Payne right now.
1: Yeah, I love what you said, because their depth, it's not just about the star power Purdue. They have the depth, they have the role players, like they have everyone. A lot of guys, They uh, they don't need to score to contribute. And that is really important. It's just what makes... Purdue, such on uh, there's the, they're the team that we love right now, and they're the team that maybe they they finally break this Big Ten title drought that has been going on for way too long. So uh, let's go now uh, to Illinois, where we had some really horrible news. Terrence Shannon was charged with rape, and then he was suspended indefinitely, and. We don't know if he's going to play college basketball again. It's a po- certainly possible, given the seriousness of the allegations, that we have seen his last game in an Illinois, in an Illinois uniform. Now, there is, uh, we're not going to, obviously, not going to speculate on the allegations, but since we expect he's going to miss, probably could miss the rest of the season. We have to talk about what Illinois is going to look like on the basketball court without Terrence Shannon. He has been such a key player for them. He has been one of the best players in the nation and losing him is going to be a big blow to their, their, uh, their hopes here As they, they uh, have a great, still have a great shot, make the NCAA tournament. They're still in great position because of what they've done. They've done in the non-conference slate That win over FAU looks even better. Now FAU took down Arizona. So yeah. Ah, uh, you are obviously very close to this team. Uh, who has to step up uh, for for Illinois to uh, accomplish what they want to accomplish and contend for the Big Ten title this year?
0: Well, first I'm going to say this: losing anytime you lose your best player and your leader, you I don't think you can replace that with one person. Um, this is another an area where you have to go back and look at the collective, uh, and, and I believe what. The way Brad Underwood has constructed this team is really, yes, Terrence, T.S.J. is one of the greatest players in college basketball right now. Um, I, I The way he was playing, you know, uh, uh, first-team All-American honors were right, right at the doorstep. Maybe even yeah. trip to New York for the NBA lottery could have even been there. Um, and it very well may be there later on. We have no idea. But the way you construct your team, you don't want to construct your team around one player or because of one player. You want to construct a complete team. And this is what I think Brad Underwood and his staff has done. Last year, I think they were the second or third youngest team in the country. This year, they're one of the oldest teams in the country. So that uh, experience alone will help Illinois to get over, um, to to deal with this loss of, of Terrence Shannon Jr. As I mentioned earlier in one of the, uh, about the Michigan discussion, rebounding and defense. This is the you know, second, first or second um, ranked team in defense in the country right now. They're first in rebounding. I do know that. They've had multiple 50 rebound games. If they can continue that, then they have enough scores uh, to be able to compete. Coleman Hawkins, since coming back off the, his knee injury, is averaging 15 points a game. Uh, not to mention six, seven rebounds a game. So he's playing at a, a very high level. Justin Harmon is a kid that averaged 16 points a game at Utah State. He can definitely come in and score for you. We all know Luke Goody's a great shooter. Quincy Guillaire, who averaged double figures last year at Oregon, has come in and stepped right in. And has one of their leading rebounder right now. The way he's shooting the ball, he's shooting it lights out right now. So he's explaining playing extremely well. Ty Rogers big point guard also able to utilize his positioning. And I mentioned Coleman, then you go to danger on the inside. So they have the ability to be able to score inside and outside. So I don't think they will have a huge drop-off in offensive production, but what they are going to have to rely on is more ball movement, sharing the basketball and doing a better job with the sister turnover ratio, which they've been great the last several games. They're going to have to keep that up because you don't have that one guy that's going to take over uh, in the end, like Terrence would do or like I owe before him. But as a collective, I believe they have enough to still get past that first weekend in March. Uh, and depending on the, uh, depending on the matchups, to go even further, because this team right now is red hot. I mean, they're coming off a great win um, against Fairleigh Dickerson o- over the, the holidays where they had five players in double figures. I mean, you get five players in double figures. This is still a Division One basketball team. Now, we talked about the difference in the conferences. Yeah, you know, you, you're going to have that. But in their league, Fairleigh Dickerson is going to be pretty doggone good. And what did Illinois do? They treated them the way Michigan should have treated McNeese State. So these guys came out and played well. You had five, six guys almost in double figures. You maxed 50 plus rebounds again. You didn't turn the ball over, and I think they had their assist their assist to basket ratio was almost 60 percent off of assists. That is what the remedy is for not having Terrence Shannon Jr.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. They got this game against FDU in before Big Ten play restarted, so they could play another team without Shannon yeah. Jr. in the lineup. And like you said, 104 points. That's pretty darn good against anybody. So they were able to get some good reps in. And like you said about Justin Harmon, I think he's someone who hasn't been exactly a star player for them, but he scored 18 points again in 18 minutes against FDU, and he's someone who is a depth player who's going to, who is going to have to step up and Quincy Garrier from Montreal. He has played so much better lately than he did at the start of the year. He was not a big time scorer in November, but then 22 points in the loss at Tennessee and then 28 in the win over Mizzou. So he had already started upping his game. So yeah. that's good. And then uh, Marcus Damasque, who is someone I envision as sort of a point forward for them. he, Looked like he played into that against FDU. He had 11 assists, and he's someone who he could score a little more with Shannon Junior. With Shannon Junior out of the lineup, they are going to ask Damas to score some more. And can we haven't seen a ton from him aside from that 33 point outburst against FAU? So we'll see if we uh, if he's got the ball in a position to score a little more. There are, uh, like you said, this Illinois team's very deep. They have a ton of talent. They have a ton of experience, and there are guys who are more than capable of helping to fill that void and get Illinois going. And and it's going to end their big 10 play is going to restart tonight against Northwestern. And then on Friday, and yeah, we could start here talking about the upcoming schedule, the biggest games of this week. I think the biggest one is Illinois visiting Purdue on Friday night, not a lot of college basketball action on Friday night. So if you're going to watch a, uh, so a lot of the nation's going to be tuned into that one. And yeah, it's a bummer that Shannon Jr. Because that would even be, uh, if Shannon Jr. was playing that game, it would be an, a really incredible matchup. But still, even without him, it is going to be a matchup against what we think are the Big Ten's two best teams. So uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that game. And what other games are you looking forward to? As we get into this first week of Big Ten play,
0: well, I'm I'm going to be broadcasting another big game tonight, starting tonight. You know, I know you skipped the Friday, but you cannot overlook Northwestern. As we know, they have they beat Purdue. Uh, they've had some really big wins. At one point, they were ranked uh, this year, and then suffered a, a terrible, unexpected loss. Um, but you have Boo Boo-Booey. Booie. Boo is one of the best point guards in the country, and there's there's no. Uh, shortcuts around that. As we saw, he had a big game in that um, in, in that game against Purdue, where he went back and forth uh, with Zach Eady going back and forth, making a, a I wouldn't say making a name for himself because the young man already had a name. But he's not the only player on that team. And I mean, and that team right now is ten and two, so they're they're a pretty good doggone team first and foremost. Chris Collins has done a tremendous job up there uh, defensively, what they do. And so that's one of the areas where they're really scary because they're going to come out and play a a style of play that limits possessions. Um, Do they get out in transition? Yes. Are they more uh, athletic than past Northwestern teams? Yes. But they also still work the ball and move it. They don't take bad shots and they don't beat themselves. You know, we mentioned Boo Booey. Uh, Ty Berry is another heck of a player for them who I really, really like. I mean, that young man can really get in and get after it. So when when he's clicking and when Boo Boo is clicking and he's able to get whether it's Ty Berry or any of the other guys involved, this team becomes even more difficult to beat because they're always going to fight and keep it at a low score. You know, and then if they can get big Matthew Nicholson going on inside, I mean, he's not a huge scorer for them, but when they can get him going, he had a good game last year um, when we played. If they can get him going again this year, now when they beat us in Chicago, that in Evanston, that is, you know, it really it makes, it makes gives this team a different look. And as long as they can do that, I don't care whether it's on the road or at home. We talk about defense travels, and, and that's going to be the first test for this Illinois team, especially without Terrence Shannon Jr. Because they're going to make you earn your points. And then you're right. Then they go up and they they got to travel to uh, West Lafayette and play Purdue. But another uh, game I would say we need to look out for is Ohio State and Indiana. Now, yes. these two teams have been what I would say slowly improving. Um, we did our tears in, in the last podcast. And I believe, if I remember correctly, both of us had them in that second tier. So these are not two just bad teams. I mean, I really like the inside players, the inside guys over at Indiana, the young guys. And then I like the guards at Ohio State. So we are gonna have to see which one dominates this game. Is it inside or is it outside? And then we'll be able to tell. But that's going to be another interesting game coming up this week.
1: Yeah, that game is in the Fox Prime time slate on Saturday. So that's going to be a game with a lot of eyeballs on it. And I think I expect both of those teams to be hanging around the bubble. So that's a game that down the road could have big NCAA tournament implications. And yeah, let's see what Indiana can do. They've lost to some of the best teams in the country. Their three losses were to Connecticut, Auburn, and Kansas they are, they are the only 2-0 team in the Big 10 so they have that going for them with wins already against Maryland and Michigan and they'll look to mm-hmm. keep that going this week they visit Nebraska who's a team I don't really know what to make of Nebraska because they have a couple oh, strong yeah, they have a couple strong wins against Michigan State and Kansas State they also lost to Minnesota and they got blown out by Creighton so that is a uh, a test for Indiana and then they they play at home against Ohio state in a game that they're going to expect themselves to win. Cause I think Indiana sees itself as more of a tier uh, tier one or tier two team at the top of the conference. And they are going to want to, they're going to be able to prove if they have what it takes against Ohio state on that Saturday night. And yeah, like you said, I think this is a, this is a big test for Illinois on Tuesday. I might be looking forward to Friday, but I don't think Illinois is especially since they have that in-state rivalry going, and because they just are uh, fresh off the loss of Shannon Jr., so I don't think anyone at Illinois is going to be overlooking that one. That should be yeah. really exciting, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot this week. We're gonna find out a lot. The schedule is full of Big Ten games every day from tonight through Sunday, and. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to to uh, see some of these results start rolling in. See how these teams look when they're actually playing against each other. We only got a small sample of that so far. So,
0: anything else? Anything That's else you're looking forward to? Well, I'm looking for. Well, after this slate of games, you and I in our next podcast, we need to sit down and do the the far too early NCAA bracket. And so then we could discuss that, especially, I think, after this weekend, this week of game weekend, this beginning, early week. There we go. This early week schedule, I think we'll have a, a really good idea of who's who um, because there are going to be some wins. We mentioned Minnesota. I think Minnesota is better than what we thought uh, they would be. Nebraska. I think Nebraska is better than what we thought they would be. Now, granted, now you're in the big – 10, now you're in conference where people are going to study you every single day um, when they know you haven't coming up. Especially nowadays, I used to coach. We didn't have a, a, nowhere near the amount of information that these guys have now. So then we'll really get to see who you are. But you're right, kicking off this Big Ten contest. Um, I'm ready to see what everybody can do, and I think that'd be fun if we can do our way too early brackets for Big Ten play. <laughs>
1: Sounds good. We will see where where the Big Ten teams stack up as far as where the Bragatali experts say they're going to end up, who's on the bubble, who has work to do, and who's going into the field, who's going out of the field. It's always a fun discussion, no matter if it's in January or when we get into the nitty-gritty of March. Of course, we'll be talking more about that as every game starts to have major effects on that field of 68. So that, until next time. He is Deion Thomas. I am Aaron York. This is Big Ten spotlight. Make Spotlight. Make sure you like and subscribe <laughs> if you're on YouTube. You can leave a review if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to us. This has been Big Ten Spotlight. Enjoy the basketball. Peace out.
0: And let's go. Hey, for you, those people, before we peace out make sure you look at the Believe Network. Got a lot of information on there and a lot of podcasts that I think people would enjoy. But you're right. Peace out, big fella. I'll talk to you later this week. Sounds good.